0: Hello and welcome to The Case Files. I'm Kate Chabot and over the course of this podcast series, I'll be bringing you the true life stories behind some of the UK's most fascinating legal cases, all told with unparalleled access to the people and lawyers closest to events. In this episode, we find out about the discrimination that faces many women when they get pregnant or return to work after having a baby. One was dismissed as soon as her employer found out she was expecting... I said, when I was going to have the
1: baby, I had planned everything meticulously to ensure there would be no problems
0: for the company. And the next day, they sacked me by voicemail.
2: Another woman was left reeling by an employer who wouldn't deal properly with pregnant staff. Is it me? Am I the problem here? Have I done something wrong? Really, I didn't do anything wrong. I just got pregnant, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And any employer that makes a woman think that that's a bad thing, they're the issue.
0: And we hear how having only a short time to file a claim makes it impossible for many women to get what they deserve. I couldn't raise a tribunal claim in three months because I was literally,
1: I would risk the health of my unborn child. It was a choice between justice and
0: my baby. What was I going to choose? Obviously the baby. Discrimination against women who get pregnant is, sadly, a common experience. A study for the Equality and Human Rights Commission reported one in nine mothers said that they had been either dismissed, forced into redundancy or treated so poorly they felt they had to leave their job. The study suggests as many as 54,000 mothers a year are forced out of work. And there are plenty more statistics that illustrate how widespread the problem is. 38% of women wouldn't know what
3: to do if they suffered maternity discrimination at work.
0: 29% of bosses would deny a woman a job if she had young children.
1: More than half of workers think their company turns a blind eye to maternity discrimination. Over a third of women wouldn't know what to do if they were mistreated at work simply for getting pregnant.
2: 36% of bosses think hiring women
0: is more of a risk than hiring men. We'll hear in this episode that the problem is getting worse and find out about how the law can protect women who have babies but also how it sometimes seems to fail them. Two women will tell us how their lives were turned upside down once they became pregnant and we'll talk to a Slater and Gordon lawyer who works with many clients in this area. Let's start with the experiences of Jolie Brearley. I was four months
1: pregnant with my first child and I informed the CEO that I was pregnant. I told her by email, I said when I was going to have the baby I had planned everything meticulously to ensure there would be no problems for the company and the next day they sacked me by voicemail and my employer was a children's charity. So it really goes to demonstrate that this can happen in any type of organisation. You are not immune from pregnancy and maternity discrimination anywhere. And I remember taking the phone call and being absolutely terrified. By this point I was showing, I was very nervous about becoming a mother and then my career had just fallen apart And I really, obviously, I knew that they were doing this because I was pregnant, because the day before I told them I was pregnant and everything had been fine before that. And I started calling around different advice lines to try and get some help and didn't seem to be able to get the advice that I needed. In the end, I found a solicitor. The solicitor wrote the charity a letter demanding compensation. The charity just threw that letter in the bin and then... That process cost me £300, and at a point where I had no idea where my next income was coming from, that was terrifying, that amount of money just coming out of my bank account, the next stage would have been to take them to tribunal. As this was happening, I went to a routine hospital appointment and was told that my cervix had almost vanished and I could go into labour at any point. If I'd gone into labour... I was 20 weeks pregnant. If I'd gone into labour, then the baby would have died. I had to really be very, very careful for the next 12 to 14 weeks to make sure the baby survived and there were no health issues. And they said to me, whatever you do, you have to reduce stress in your life because stress is likely to bring on early onset labour. Obviously, I was enormously stressed at that point, but going through tribunal would have been even worse yeah unbearably (laughs) stressful so my partner said to me you know you you've just got to drop this you can't you've got to rest you've got to think about you and the baby and so I did I I gave up I walked away I, I felt like I had no other option but of course that plagued me it stayed with me that I had been treated so appallingly and The opportunity for any sort of justice had been completely snatched
0: away. Jolie soon realised that her case was far from unusual. She told me the experience led her to set up the campaigning organisation Pregnant Then Screwed.
1: After I had Theo, who is now a very healthy six-year-old, and everything was fine with the pregnancy in the end, I started attending parent groups and talking to other mums about what had happened to me and sadly discovered that, you know, far from mine being a unique case, this was happening really commonly. Women would tell me all sorts of stories about horrible things that had been happening to them at work. And then it happened to two friends of mine. And it just, I had no idea that this was a thing. You know, I had no idea that people, em- employees, would treat other, treat women like this. It just had never occurred to me. And as, as these stories started, you know, Coming, I was hearing more and more of them. I thought, well, really, we should be finding ways to tell these to people publicly so they understand it's happening. So I set up a website for women to tell their stories anonymously. That's originally what Pregnant Then Screwed was. And then those stories started flooding into my inbox. And as they did, you know, my anger and rage grew because some of them were just... I mean,
0: far worse than mine. Some of them were just heartbreaking. We'll hear more from Jolie and how she helps women later on. Before that, let's hear from another woman affected by discrimination. We're calling her Lucy. It isn't her real name. She'd been brought into a recruitment agency by the managing director to set up a new division. Lucy told me
2: about her relationship with her boss when she started. A great relationship. I thought it was the job I'd been waiting for, to be honest, because I was given so much autonomy and given a free reign to set up this new division in the company. He valued my opinion. I was um, very much part of the inner circle. He valued the experience that I had because I was the most experienced person in that industry. And we had a really good rapport. And So you thought he was a great boss? I thought he was great. And also as well, the thing that I I loved about it is that he was really progressive he'd read all these thought leadership books and you know kind of um, psychological books which was I thought oh here's somebody that's really interested in leading in a different way and creating you know a, a progressive work culture and I thought that was really I thought it was really cool. Things changed quickly, though, after he learned that Lucy was expecting. I had found out that I was pregnant. It was fairly early days. I was about six weeks pregnant. Um, It came as a shock because I had been trying to fall pregnant for about two and a half years, three years. Um, Had had various tests, poked and prodded, all the usual stuff, um, and was told that basically it wasn't going to happen without IVF. Um, so when I found out I was pregnant, it came and it happened naturally. It came as a huge shock to me. I had morning sickness. I was quite emotional about the whole thing because it was the culmination of like quite a few years of trying. And one day I was at work and I obviously looked like absolutely horrendous because I had awful morning sickness and was in there with the toilet. And he called me into the boardroom and asked me if I had a drinking problem. Really? What did you think when he said that? I was like, nothing could have been, fur." like, I I was so shell-shocked by it because I was in this whole kind of state of, like, feeling really fragile because I was pregnant and also trying not to vomit (laughs) as well. So the idea of alcohol was, like, the furthest thing from my mind anyway. Um, And he asked me if I had a drinking problem because I looked like crap. And I just blurted out that I was pregnant because I felt like I can't believe I'm being accused of this, you know. So um, I felt I had no choice. And that was the only way to defend myself was to explain that actually the reason why I was sick all the time and the reason why I looked terrible was because I was pregnant. And other than my husband, he was the second person to know. So what did he do when you told him that? Um, He was really surprised. Um, He had never had anyone working for him before that had been pregnant. Um, So he was a little bit like, oh, and, you know, shocked. And he seemed really positive about it. And he was really, um, I explained to him, obviously, the circumstances, that it was quite a shock to me and that I was coming to terms with it because I hadn't expected it to happen. And he was very positive about it initially. And he said, you know, go home take the day to kind of um process things rest up and and all the rest of it and i thought it was going to be like that for the rest of the time <laughs> because it was he was seemed quite supportive initially so and when did that supportive nature change um when it changed was when i miscarried So what happened was about uh, four weeks later, um, I was in a meeting with him on a Monday morning. I started cramping and I went to the toilet and I saw that I was bleeding and it was obvious that I was probably miscarrying. Um, I went back into his office and I was hysterical. I was completely beside myself and panicked. I called my husband and my husband came to get me and I went to the hospital and they confirmed that I was miscarrying. So I obviously contacted him, texted him and explained this. And um, he was really, you know, uh, sympathetic. And then I basically was signed off work for two weeks. But the whole that happened on the Monday morning. And the next day it was when are you coming back text really? message. Yeah. And that happened every every single day of that week. I received work emails and text messages about when I was coming back, and asking me stuff over email to deal with stuff over email. How did you respond? I messaged and I replied because the the role that I had and being brought in to set up a division, you have a, a sense of ownership. in in a different way about your work Um, I felt really responsible I had I was running a freelance and contract division so I had quite a lot of people out working that were kind of dependent on me and I felt like I couldn't not reply you know then it was like Saturday morning and I was getting emails about something and then I was kind of like okay you know this is enough now, leave me alone, you know, kind of thing. You said Um, that, did you say that to me? Not not in those words, but it was, I said, can I deal with this when I come back? You know, it's Saturday morning, is this urgent? I felt under enormous pressure that whole week to go back to work sooner than I was supposed to. Um, And I think this is something that people don't realise about miscarriage as well, is that it's not just... People think you've lost a baby and you bleed. It's an incredibly physically painful experience. You're having contractions. And, you know, maybe people might think this is too much information for a podcast, but you have to pass a fetus. You know, that still has to happen. And you don't want to be at work when that happens. You know, when when that did happen at home, that was when I thought, okay, now I can go back to work, even though I didn't emotionally feel ready to. Lucy
0: had been through a harrowing experience, but despite still reeling
2: from her miscarriage, she went back to the office. I started every day at half eight, so I was sat at my desk for half eight, just kind of catching up on emails, and he called me into the office um, at nine o'clock, into his office for a meeting, into the boardroom actually, which was a glass boardroom, so people can walk past and see and all the rest of it. So if you're upset, people know... And the first words out of his mouth were, um, actually, the first words out of his mouth were, How are you feeling? And I said, You know, I'm managing. And then he said, Well, look, I'm trying to run a business here, and people are trying to hit targets. And if you're going to sit there being sad, bringing the whole office down, you can go home. What did you say to that? I said to him, I'm sorry, I'm upset. I'm not sitting there crying. I wasn't sitting there in tears making anyone feel uncomfortable. I was just sitting there going through my inbox and I'd only been in for half an hour. I felt really self-conscious, to be honest. I felt also not just like the dealing with the emotion of what had happened, but also feeling then like everyone was looking at me because or that I was doing something wrong by just kind of processing what had happened you know and being trying to trying to do that and also trying to fulfill my obligations of going back to work lucy wanted to get on with her job without everyone knowing about her personal medical issues i was trying to keep it a secret and keep it private i thought it was private i later found out he had told a lot of people but it was it's very hard then because people obviously know that something has happened And people are talking about you and why are you upset and stuff. And it was difficult for me for a number of reasons. One, because it was predominantly a male environment. There was myself and two other women working there. You know, miscarriage is a difficult conversation to have, like, you know, anyway with anyone. But it's something that is harder for men to relate to than it is for women to relate to. So what happened after that? Then in the same meeting, he told me that it was obvious that I was going to start trying again for another baby. So while I had been off that week, he had hired a member of staff for my team for me to train up to take over from me when I would go off and have this other baby that I hadn't even thought about, (laughs) you know. So I found myself in a position where in the space of kind of half an hour, I had been what felt like being put in a fishbowl while all this was happening with people walking past being told that I was bringing the office down and then being told that basically my job was under threat because I had exhibited a desire to have a baby. <laughs> and what about
0: this person that had been put in a position to, to learn your job yeah. potentially take
2: over from you how, how did that develop how did that affect you the way you were working? So I think what was difficult about that was that up to that point, I had been involved in every interview and all of the recruitment for other members of staff um, because I had had so much experience in doing that in the past. um, And not just for my own team, but for recruitment for other people's teams as well, because he valued my experience and my input. Also, while this was all happening, his PA also declared that she was pregnant um so he's gone into complete tailspin that two of the three women working for him had had suddenly to you know like um uh uh, become pregnant and he had made a flippant throwaway comment that he um didn't want any more women working for him he couldn't deal with any more pregnancies and maternity leave um so the guy he had hired to um for me to train up that was he he made that comment while we were having that discussion so it was obvious to me that he didn't want another woman there really you know like i was the person billing the most in the company um i knew that none of this was performance related i was the only one really making any money in the company significant money in the company at the time Um, So I questioned him on why he would, uh, that I felt undermined by him doing that, um, that I should have been involved in it, in the decision that I might not even like this guy and I would have to work closely with him. Um, He assured me I would love him. He assured me that I would, um, he said, you can... Uh, meet up with him for coffee bring him in have the final say have the final veto and when I did that and I met this guy it became apparent already that he had already signed his contract to be (laughs) off the job so like none of that really mattered you know Um, and then from that moment when that guy started I became ostracized even more I was excluded from management meetings things became intolerable for Lucy. I would be crying every single day going in, driving into work. The the atmosphere and the toxic culture there became even worse. People were leaving. There had been elements of that before, but because of the position that I was in and because I... I was in a position of seniority there and uh, I was part of the management team and part of the inner circle, so to speak. I felt like I could kind of do more to shape that and maybe do more to kind of influence and impact it in a positive way. But the more I became ostracized, the more I, I just felt like that wasn't going to be possible. And actually, we've hit a point of no return here. What action did you take then? So I had decided that I was going to leave um, there had been lots of people leaving. He suspected that I was going to leave. Um, he, uh, I had asked to speak to him on a Monday morning, intending to resign. Um, and when I went in and I said, I'm resigning, I'm giving you a month's notice, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he um, just exploded, really. He just completely exploded and said that... This is in the glass office again. In the glass boardroom. But on this occasion, he had sat me in a different position so that everybody could look in and see me. And he he was determined to make me cry and to upset me. Um, And it just all exploded and everything came out. Um, I knew at that point that he had told basically everyone in the office... Um, or 16 members of staff that I had had a miscarriage even though that was private confidential information. Um, I had I said that to him, you know, that that was private, that that was a really vulnerable point in my life that he didn't have the right to share that information with people. Um, he said that... Uh, He knew that I was planning on leaving all the time. And why didn't I just say it sooner? And I didn't say it sooner because why should I do myself out of an income until I'm sure about what I'm doing just because he's created such an unbearable environment? Why should I be at financial loss? You know, so I I was, you know, I wasn't going to leave until I was ready to leave. I wasn't, you know, and um, he just before I resigned, I had taken some advice Um, from um, an employment solicitor friend of mine who um, I explained the situation and they said that I would have a case for constructive dismissal. Um, I had considered going down that route but to be honest, it was just, I had been so worn down by the whole experience. Um, I felt completely drained. There was just, I didn't feel like I could do that so you gave him a month's notice yeah he went ballistic he went ballistic he said that he wasn't going to pay me my month's notice and I said you know I know what my rights are and I've given you I've resigned and given you a month's notice and you're contractually obligated to um you know to fulfill that and he said you need to get your stuff and go today um and I said I'm happy to do that but I'm giving you a month's notice and you need to pay me for it, If you even if you want me to go today. And so this went backwards and forwards across the table and I just had to steady myself and hold my nerve uh, because, because I had worked as well within HR teams. I knew what my rights were and I suppose I was in a different position than a lot of other people that had worked for him in that I, I did know that. I knew what I was entitled to and I wasn't going to back down on that. And did he pay you the months He paid me, yeah.
0: We'll hear more of Lucy's story shortly. Cases like hers led Jolie Brearley to create Pregnant Than Screwed, which campaigns for women who face discrimination. She says it isn't just about being pregnant. I prefer to talk
1: about motherhood discrimination rather than maternity discrimination. Maternity is such a small part of the problem. Motherhood discrimination is discrimination from employers that occurs because a woman has a uterus so it's any point from the recruitment process through to when they get pregnant when they take maternity leave and then when they return to work after having a baby and it can involve issues to do with health and safety so lots of women experience challenges where they're perhaps made to use dangerous chemicals or they're made to lift heavy items. It can be demotions, bullying, harassment, sackings, redundancies, not employing somebody because they may have a baby. It's such an enormous scope. What are the most
0: common forms of discrimination?
1: The most common tends to be bullying and harassment, I would say, because There's this narrative that pregnant women are a burden to businesses. From the point that women announce a pregnancy, everything can change. The way an employer talks to you, the way they see your progression within the organisation, the way colleagues refer to you can suddenly distort and people think that you're going to become a massive burden, that you're not committed, you're going to go off, you're going to take a year out, and then you're probably not going to return. So they know it's illegal to sack you or make you redundant. And instead of doing that, they use really insidious treatment. They'll start stripping you of your confidence. They'll start perhaps taking you away from other colleagues and sitting you elsewhere. They'll take clients away from you. They will make comments about the way that you look. Uh, They, a personal development review that previously was really excellent can suddenly go to substandard when you know the standard of your work is exactly as it was before. How widespread do you think it is? Well, It's very widespread. We know from uh, the government's own research that in 2016, 54,000 women a year were pushed out of their jobs due to pregnancy or maternity. That's one in nine and 77% of working mums encounter some form of discrimination in the workplace. Those figures have almost doubled in 10 years. So from 2006 to 2016, they almost doubled. Why? I, I mean, it's deteriorating quite rapidly. And I would say that that, I mean, nobody really knows, but my theory is that between 2006 and 2016, we had 2008, the economic crash. And when companies are very nervous about their businesses, they revert to very, very old ways of working where profit is king and you want to cut your costs and your burdens as much as possible. Anything to do with well-being, anything to do with looking after your staff just gets slung out of the window. And because there's this narrative that pregnancy is a burden and that women are not committed from the point that they have children, if you're really looking after your business and you see
0: see this as a threat, then women are more likely to be pushed out. Let's get the experience of one of Slater and Gordon's employment team. Ramsey Oskan specialises in this area.
3: I see it from the early stages where an employer is making derogatory comments about a woman who's suffering from morning sickness, for instance, the amount of time that they're having off. Um, or the time they're taking to go to antenatal appointments and so on. I also see later on down the line where attitudes change towards them as soon as they've announced that they're pregnant. So it might be that all of a sudden they're excluded from important meetings or projects that they were involved in. I also see women who are denied promotion, whether it's because they're pregnant or it's because they are on maternity leave and returning. One of the cases that I've seen involved a maternity cover being kept on, a male maternity cover being kept on and actually promoted above a woman who was on maternity leave.
0: Ramsey says that if you can't get satisfaction through work, a tribunal is an option.
3: You do have a right to take your employer to an employment tribunal. You must contact ACAS, which is a conciliation service, and in order to then proceed with an employment tribunal claim, ACAS needs to be satisfied that all channels have been explored and that the parties are really not able to resolve matters between them. It's at that point that they issue something called an early conciliation certificate, which then enables somebody to start employment tribunal proceedings. But there is a
0: catch. There's
3: a time limit for how long you
0: have to take your case to a tribunal.
3: It's three months less one day from the last act that you're complaining of.
0: That's not a long time.
3: It's certainly not a long time. There has been a lot of discussion recently about extending tribunal time limits and the government has been consulting on a number of different issues and the question that has come up is whether those time limits should be extended. We responded to government consultations on this matter as a law firm and we do advocate that as a minimum, the time limit should be extended to six months or, alternatively, we should be looking at perhaps stopping the clock entirely while someone's on maternity leave.
0: Jolie explains just how difficult it is to take a case when you're pregnant. You're so vulnerable. You know,
1: you're you're trying to get your head around the fact that you're going to be a new mum. You're probably throwing up everywhere. You know, you've, you're feeling pretty insecure and vulnerable at that point. You also, many women also believe the narrative that they are a problem, that them being pregnant is a burden to the business. So when negative things start to happen, many women just believe that it's their fault.
0: For women who experience discrimination, it can be a time of significant hardship. Finding a new employer while pregnant can be extremely difficult. It can also be challenging to secure childcare once you have your baby without knowing where you'll be working and what you can afford. But if you do pursue a complaint to tribunal, there is a chance you could get some redress. Ramsey told me what's possible.
3: It really depends on, first of all, the severity of the treatment that you're complaining of. The reason for that is because there's an opportunity to be awarded something called injury to feelings. And that has quite a wide range in terms of the numbers that you can expect. So it can be anything from £900 to about £44,000, for example, That's one element. The second element is with reference to your own financial losses. So if someone's been made redundant, for instance, or they've been dismissed as a reason of their pregnancy or maternity, it's really dependent on their individual circumstances, how long it might take them to find new work, what losses they've actually suffered. I think that the point is, is that you need to be adequately compensated and that will look at your individual circumstances.
0: Often women involved in these cases end up signing non-disclosure agreements or other confidentiality clauses. This means many can't discuss their cases, but Ramsey says they can be the only way to get a settlement.
3: A lot of settlements do contain confidentiality provisions. And it's very much dependent on a woman's objectives. So for some women, they really want to draw a line under the situation. And as long as they've been adequately compensated and they are happy and understand the implications of signing an NDA or a settlement agreement, it might be in their best interest to do so um, Women are also worried about their reputation. They're worried about, unfortunately, the real issue of stigma being attached to those that bring their employer to an employment tribunal. So they really also think that they might benefit from confidentiality themselves. Jolie Brearley
0: from Pregnant Then
3: Screwed works with many women being
0: discriminated against. She says she understands why women don't end up challenging their employers. Taking a case to tribunal is brutal,
1: it is not something we would recommend. It's not something we would push women into. It's only if they feel that they have the strength to do that that we would support them through it. If, if they contact us, we can talk them through the process and what is going to happen. And then it's up to them if they want to take that next step. But often, from the majority of cases that we look after... Employers tend to settle cases, you don't go to tribunal because they don't want it in the public domain. So they, they should, if they feel that they can, certainly put complaints in against their employers, see how far they can take it and hopefully then they'll get some sort of compensation for the way they've been treated. Let's
0: pick
2: up on Lucy's story. Her boss was enraged by her decision to resign. He said, um, make no mistake, I will destroy you. And they were his parting words to me. And I, I started laughing, which I know infuriated him even more. But I started laughing because I just kind of thought, get some perspective here. Why do you want to destroy me? Like, you know, I just, this, you know, this has just gotten completely out of hand. I just didn't understand how could, like, what is going on here? What?" this isn't really worth this kind of level of vitriol, you know, like get some perspective. Did you ever take any legal action against him? Um, I had sought advice it and was told that I had a case um, for constructive dismissal, but I just didn't want to go down that route. I knew that I was going to be starting IVF a couple of months later. Um, and I the thought of going down that route and going through tribunal and going through IVF at the same time Um, when I had already miscarried and didn't want to bring on any more stress, I just couldn't, I I just wanted to be shot of the place, to be honest. I, I didn't feel like I had the energy to be able to deal with a tribunal and everything that goes with IVF as well.
0: Despite all that we've heard, the company is still going, albeit with few female staff.
2: In the months that followed, Lucy took comfort in her female colleagues. The two women there that I had become friendly with had become a real support to me, um, and um, a real friendship had developed there by the end. I think that part of that came from feeling like we were in the trenches together a little bit, you know, um, but and we, we stayed friends afterwards um, and tried to, but in the end, it had it became too difficult to stay friends, to be honest, because inevitably every time we would get together. We would start talking about it again and we would just get upset about it. And um, even still, the three of us occasionally, you know, we chat on WhatsApp and, um, you know, one of one of the girls had dropped into the conversation about or she heard such and such was now working at this particular place. And um, the other girl who was his PA that was pregnant, um, she messaged me separately and she said, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to leave this chat group I just can't keep thinking about that place and working there again every time I do it upsets me and I think it's it's a real shame to be honest because that we've been unable to maintain that friendship because it was such a difficult experience sorry I think it's obvious
0: the toll this has taken on Lucy a volatile boss unable to cope with the thought of women leaving to have babies put her in an impossible position Lucy never wanted to be in a similar situation and decided to change career. She also
2: told me that now she has a child. I do. (laughs) So it prompted me into um, really assessing my career and retraining and doing something that I really wanted to do. And when I was retraining, I fell pregnant. Lucy is in
0: a better place. But why did she have to go through such a terrible experience to get there? Jolie Brearley also ended up being forced to change job founding the organisation Pregnant Than Screwed. She says employers need to stop thinking women having babies cost them money. Many people believe you have to pay a woman
1: when she's taking maternity leave. You don't. Maternity leave comes from your own insurance, your national insurance payments to the government. You only have to pay additional amounts to that If you have decided to do so there is no law to say that you have to. Many larger employers do offer enhanced maternity pay and they do that because they know they want more gender equality within their organisation because they know that's good for productivity and good for profit. So they do it because it's good for business. Uh, But the, the actual cost of a woman taking maternity leave is nothing to a company. There is costs in terms of recruitment and training of a replacement but I would say the benefits, the long you need to look at the long-term benefits of looking after women. If you look after women, when they have children, they will look after you. They will be fantastic employees. We know from there's all sorts of research that shows that women after they have children, they learn so much from maternity leave. Maternity leave is like this brilliant training course for anybody, because you learn about multitasking, you learn about investing in others, you learn about patience, you learn about reading nonverbal cues, there's all sorts of things you learn from maternity leave. So when, peop- when parents return from parental leave, they are really efficient, really productive, and
0: they're really dedicated to you if you look after them. So that's the big message for those who work with pregnant women and mothers. If we support them, they can bring benefits to all of us. Fair treatment is not an option. It's good business. Thanks to Jolie Brearley from Pregnant Than Screwed, Lucy, who told us her story about being forced out of work after having a miscarriage, and Slater and Gordon's employment lawyer, Remzi Oskan. If you want to know more about this story or other episodes of The Case Files, have a look at our website slatergordon.co.uk forward slash podcast or head over to our social media channels and search hashtag Case and join the conversation. In our next episode, we'll hear one woman's harrowing story of being sexually abused at a prestigious music school and the legal fight to get justice for her and other victims. Subscribe now to hear her story. I'm Kate Chabot. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.